Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for coming on tonight. Well, we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guest for you guys today. This is Chef Julia Norgren, MD. Say hi to everyone, Julia. Hello, everyone. That was a very vibrant introduction. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Julia and I, um, man, we we go back some years um, and we kind of uh, speckled uh, appearances with each other here and there. Um, But we share very, very similar um, passions and careers and and uh, you have such a such a unique, um, you know, pathway that you've been on. Uh, One of the first of many chef doctors. um, And I would love to start off just introduce yourself. Give us a little taste, definitely pun intended, uh, about <laughs> your story on how you got here, and uh, you know what is it that you know you do? Because I I read really a quick you know quick uh, thing off of your website, and I already know this by heart. But you know you started off as a physician foremost, and right. uh, you what you became trained. Um, as a chef at the Culinary Institute of America, and you took that education to, in you know, pretty much educate the masses. So tell us how you got here. <laughs> well, that's what I'm working on. Well, yeah, so um, that's all right. Basically, I am first and foremost, I'm a pediatrician. I went to medical school ooh, a long time ago now, and I always knew I wanted to be a pediatrician when, when I got to med school. And I really always loved taking care of families and patients and kids. And, you know, we just got to this place where we have so many kids struggling with their weight or with their nutrition or their Mm -hmm. physical activity. And it seemed like so many of the problems we were seeing got back to the root of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And really, the food is just such a major issue. And I've always loved food. I never really learned how to cook. And that always felt like, you know, one of those creative and or knowledge gaps that I had that I wanted to fill not only for myself, but to really take care of my patients. So mm-hmm. back in 2012, so I've been a practicing physician for um, well over 10 years when I decided to take a break and go to culinary school. So I enrolled in the Culinary Institute of America full time. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I lived across the country from my family for the duration. <laughs> was wild. How long was, was that? How long was that program for? That you? was a full year. That mm. was a year full time, and um, it was really great. It was definitely difficult to be away from my family, but it was also a snapshot in time where I really dove into pursuing this passion that I've wanted to do for so long, and. Mm. It was really great. My kids, you know, really saw the effort I was putting in and my husband totally supported me and really just created that dialogue of this is what we do for each other. This is our life and our passion and we do what it takes to help each other 
work in the capacity that we want to work. Yeah. And I think that's a really important lesson for kids. Um, and it was sweet. You know, they're front and center at my graduation and they see now how I've really crafted this way of caring for patients where I mm-hmm. see really exclusively kids who are overweight or pre-diabetic or have cholesterol issues. So that's sort of my niche and mm-hmm. all of that really relates back to food. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, um, I I think that's great, number one, um, that you have a family that supports, you know, what you do um, in terms of that specific pathway, because, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you have gotten it yourself. But, you know, when I pursued the route, when I went to the Natural Gourmet Institute, you know, people looked at me sideways, you know, yeah. they're like, they're like, you know, is this a hobby? Like, what are you trying right. to do? And I'm like, no, I mean, like I, I t- I'll tell them and I'm sure you share similarly that, you know, there's a paucity in medical education. And so, and, you know, especially with food and nutrition and, um, you know, even so the, uh, the practices, right. Of culinary arts. And so, you know, we, a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we need to do a lot more. And so I felt um, that we needed to get to the heart. Um, so that is amazing um, that, you know, what you do. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's, it's not just, it's helping people. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, you know, I'm your doctor and I'm telling you, you need to eat more vegetables, but unless you can really have a conversation about what specifically that means for them, like, okay, who does the cooking in the house? Where do you shop? Do you have a farmer's market near you? Um, do you have any budget constraints? And second of all, what do you like and how can I mm-hmm. make that more appealing for you? So I find that a lot of times my most impactful counseling is really about making things flavorful and delicious and giving them a strategy and just an approach mm-hmm. of what really we should all be doing, which is eating more fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lean proteins. And, you know, really the more plants we can help people eat, the better. Yes. And, yes. and they can be, they're so, 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 so good. Oh my God. I made them. I opened a mango today. It was just the most <laughs> exquisite delicious thing. I mean, you should have seen me like, yeah. you know, pulling at the peel and slobbering into my sink. It was just yeah. the most scrumptious. But yeah. I think really getting to the point where you're helping people just enjoy things that are so good for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing is, is that, you know, when you're in culinary school, you know, you make a really heavy, earnest effort into you know, smelling the food, looking mm-hmm. at the food, touching the food, everything. And what I love about it is that you're using all five senses. Everything, almost similar, yeah. Almost similar to, you know, us as clinicians. Of course. You, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, examining a patient, you know, during a physical exam, we have to use all five senses yes. to, to really gather the whole picture, you know? Completely. And so, and so we do this with food as well. And so you can't really appreciate a mango, like you said, you know, and, and, and not be drawn to it and, and, and say, okay, this is good for you, but this is why it's good for you. This, you know, how are you, you know, what kind of produce you're going to look for? What are the blemishes? Is this a, you know, a, a, yeah, a, you yeah. know, a, an old you know, a fruit that's about to rot, et cetera, et cetera. So there's yeah, a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. How to pick citrus. We were talking about that today. You know, how do you pick a, um, a beautiful lemon that's going to give you a lot of juice and how do you cut it to maximize what it has to offer? Not everybody, you're not born knowing these things. And it's just fun to be able to talk to people about making what really is going to make them well Mm -hmm. is also very delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. 
Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, so give me a snapshot because your niche is uh, pretty much childhood obesity and, yeah. and, and, and lipids, which, um, you know, medical jargon for uh, our cholesterol and all the various components that come along with cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I do mostly, you know, family practice and I focus more on adult care, right? Mm-hmm. So over the years, you know, through your experience in the practice, what have you noticed, um, you know, over time with, uh, you know, childhood obesity and all this other stuff? Because when I look at the stats, um, I feel like they're just increasing and increasing yeah. and increasing. And, you know, what what has your challenges been with that before, um, you know, being culinary trained and afterwards? And have you noted any um, any improvements? Yeah, that's, that's, those are all great questions. Um, I haven't noticed a lot of improvements yet. I do think that we really are in a, an exciting culture of talking about food and healthy food. I think one of the amazing things about our social media world is you can have access to thousands of beautiful photos of um, broccoli Mm-hmm, if you mm. want inspiration, you can find that. You can find a tutorial on how to chop broccoli, how to steam green beans. Um, you can look on Pinterest and get really beautiful, inspiring pictures. And and that's really amazing. And I love the conversation about food. And I do think that that generally we are experiencing a huge level of awareness of how we eat and also how it affects the planet. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking so much more about sustainability and how do we really buy food, eat it all, minimize our food waste and stay nourished. That's a really, that's a complicated question. Yes. You know, over the past couple of years, I think honestly, what I've seen is really, really tricky is um, a disconnect around the table. And it's a lot having to do with devices and Mm -hmm. kids having devices and frankly, adults having devices and Mm. being on their phones at dinner time. And I talk to families all the time about their dinner time because I just find, Colin, that people aren't really sitting at the table and talking mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I live in Silicon Valley, so I have parents who do these amazing, cool jobs. And I'll ask the teenager, oh, tell me about your, tell me about your parent. What does your mom do for work? What's your dad up to? And they're like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, had one, I had one girl, you know, they told me they sit down and they have family meals. And I was like, oh, tell mom, does she like her job? Yeah. And she's like, how would I know? It's like, well, how would you know? <laughs> You're talking to her dinner. I would assume you have a sense of like what kind yeah. of food she comes she's home like, with, right? She's like, she, you didn't, she didn't email me that answer. <laughs> oh my God. It's just so funny. So she says to me, she says, I sit at the table, but I have my headphones on. I'm not listening to them. Oh, okay. Well, that's better than having headphones in the room. Amazing. This mom, she was she was so mortified and mm. she was embarrassed, but it was a great learning moment because, you know, as another adult asking her daughter to give me a sense, illustrate for me, I don't ask the parents what they do. I ask mm. the children mm-hmm. because I want to see what they're seeing through their eyes. Mm. And I can really tell the families who don't take that time and connect. They just don't protect that space to really know each other's lives, mm. whether it's their work life, their emotional life, just their mood or what, what inspired them today. Mm-hmm. 
you know, my, we have challenging jobs and I want my kids to see that we care about our jobs. We love caring for people. We love what we do, but that's, doesn't mean it's free of challenge. Yeah. So things will happen and you have to, I think this is where our kids observe us as partners talking about our day, talking about plans. You know, they see uh, how we work together Mm -hmm. as a couple and then they just see like, what was fun for you today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that, you know, it's different because, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be a role model whether you are aware of that, you know, of course, uh, one way or not, you know, whatever they take from it. I had this other girl who she's going to this very high pressured, um, uh, private school. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to join the water polo team because Mm -hmm. she feels like she's terrible at it. She doesn't want to be mediocre. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, uh, well, how do how does your mom like her job? She's like, Oh, she hates her job. All she does is complain. And the mother was like, what do you mean all I do is complain? I, I love my job. I only work 12 hours a week. She's like, yeah, but you hate it. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's fascinating that we are, you know, driving our kids to pursue this, that, and the other things so that they can get into the workforce and have a great job. But what we're showing them is having a great job can be miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's interesting because I give this, um, I give this talk about, you know, the history of cooking and um, a part of my talk is how certain uh, kitchen appliances and certain, um, you know, different inventions come along. Like you have the microwave, you have TV dinners, you have um, uh, the fast food and you have, you know, it just keeps going. It's just mm-hmm. all these inventions. Mm-hmm. And so like what you find over time is that, you know, the family table, um, you know, it just starts to get more and more disconnected. Yeah. And now, it's really eroded. Yeah. And we live now in the social media age. And, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and you know, my future kids, you know, God willing, um, if I ever have them, uh, <laughs> won't experience this because I was, you know, I was, I'm an eighties baby. Right. So I know, I know what it's like before the internet. I know what it's like, yeah. you know, to have a cell phone. And I, you know, remember, you know, I, I had to remember phone numbers, for example, right? <laughs> but we always, but me, I grew up, you know, my, both my parents, you know, cooked. And so I, we always had family yeah. dinners and we talked yeah. and talked and talked. And so it's, um, it, in a way, it's kind of a shame that, you know, yeah. you have that disconnect because not only is food important, but there's plenty of, you know, research and longitudinal uh, research, global research, the blue zones highlight this, that community is yes. so, so, so important as well as social, yes, as well as a social connection. I really, connection. really believe that. Yeah. And I, it really is front and center in my conversations with families. And thankfully, as a specialist, I get more time, but I really get to talk a lot about, and I, I get a sense of what's happening at that table. And the other thing is, you know, parents can be critical of their kids or say, well, if you don't like this, then go ahead and make yourself some mac and cheese. I'm not making you another dinner. And, you know, I I just find the dynamics can be tough sometimes and people are tired and they they don't have a lot of uh, emotional capital left over. Mm. But I think it really is, um, it's hard on our kids when it's not, the expectation isn't set that this is what we do. We eat as a family. Some days you love your dinner and some days, you know what, you're just doing the job, which is fueling your body with what it needs to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find, um, you know, uh, pretty much one parent versus two parents that have full-time careers, do you notice a difference in terms of home cooking trends, um, you know, from your observations in your practice? Yeah. 
A little bit. I do see some family, you know, honestly, most of the families I see in Silicon Valley are dual working families. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of stay at home dads or moms. Mm -hmm. Some, yes. The parents who stay home, they do a lot more time to cooking and cleaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there there are studies on this, that the more actual number of hours per week you spend cooking and cleaning mm-hmm. um, is correlated with your health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. healthier the more time you spend cooking. I think the commuting time also, we live in a very expensive area. So a lot of families are driving far to their mm-hmm. jobs. And that's really a killer for dinner. Yeah. And that Those are the families who are relying not just on takeout. They're not, it's not just fast food. But it's, we are picking up something at Safeway. We're going to Chipotle and getting a healthy burrito, which they think is healthy and it really isn't. You know, just there's a lot of other things sort of sneaking in that are really probably not much better than fast food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, So going off of that, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, kind of like the intersection between food and nutrition and coming mm-hmm. from, you know, your point of view, what would you say to, that is um, the importance of um, bringing these two together in a way, kind of like marrying the two together? Yeah. And um, how do you in your practice, you know, and you can share, you know, what you do in your practice, you know, how do you, you know, bring that forward? You know, do you do demonstrations? Do you do workshops? Yeah. Um, I know that you're teaching at Stanford right now. Like, how do you push that message forward? Yeah. Well, we did, um, the class we've done at Stanford is a culinary medicine elective where we take medical students, uh, 12 at a time, and we go into the kitchen to do exactly this, which is, okay, at some point you're going to tell your patient, hey, why don't you think about making more of your grains whole? It's so important that you know what that means and that you know how to cook them. So when you say more whole grains, you don't just shrug when they say, what is that? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, have you ever tried steel cut oats for breakfast? Because I can tell you, I'm busy. I, I can tell you how I make them. And those personal stories or that ability to say, I can teach you a technique that's mm-hmm. really easy to make steel cut oats. You just have to turn them on, put the water on, you know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll mm-hmm. cook for you overnight. So I think those bringing back the knowledge, like when you're a physician, knowing that whole grains impact your metabolism better, they don't spike your blood sugar they're better for digestion, they're better for so many things. It's really important to go that step further, which is, all right, well, what does that mean? And how do you get that on the plate? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In clinic, I don't have a kitchen, but I do a lot of brainstorming. I do a lot of what I call solution work, which is just Mm. sitting down. And once I have their full diet history and I pick it, I find ways that can be improved. And then we just really go into solutions mode. And a lot of times parents are frustrated. They'll say, oh, gosh, my kids, they don't eat any vegetables. They don't like anything. And so sometimes I'll just make a plate, like I'll draw a circle and I'll Mm. cut it in half and I'll say, all right, the most important thing that you can do is every time you sit down is having half that plate fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can be overwhelming to kids and families who don't feel like they have a good selection or repertoire or don't cook enough or don't cook. But again, like if I give them some examples of how it can be very simple, like this, the mother was like, well, good luck with that. And I said, all right, well, how about you and I do that? You and I will problem solve this half your plate. And this girl who's 11 years old, she's like, great. And so we made a list on one side was things that she liked. So maybe there's five things, broccoli, Mm -hmm. carrots, corn, apple, strawberries. That was Mm -hmm. on her list that she would eat. Mm -hmm. 
she agreed to try well, she wanted to try broccoli with lemon juice. She thought that would be good. Mm. We talked about green beans, so she was willing to try that. And we, mm-hmm. I taught her a little bit of a salad dressing. She's willing to try that. Mm. No pressure. But in the end, she's got five things on her list. So if every night it's those five things, they don't have to be prepared in any fancy method. Mm-hmm. It can be a sliced apple, a couple of strawberries, and six, you know, <laughs> six ma- carrot matchsticks. Yeah, yeah. And and how how old was this um, particular um, so this girl was eleven? But I'll do that as young as like nine, Mm. ten, eleven, because that's the time where parents starting to get frustrated. Like these kids are getting older and they shouldn't be so picky anymore. Mm -hmm. And that that's when I see the most sort of frustration. And I see I really want kids to feel their own autonomy Mm -hmm. at the dinner table. I don't want them to feel ashamed. I don't want them to feel felt feel guilty. I don't want them to feel pressured. If they can really have ownership of the majority of what's on their plate, I don't care if it's the same thing every night. Mm. If it's cord on the cob and five green beans, awesome. Yeah, as and long then, as they're as long as they're getting getting more servings. Quantity. Yeah, yeah. So I always focus on quantity first and then variety. Mm. <clears throat> and then what I do with these kids is I put blank spaces on the paper so that all right. If you want to get bored with, if you get bored with this, or if you're at the market and if you see something, I'm going to ask your mom. And I'll turn to the parent. And I'll say, if she or he sees something at the market that they like that they're willing to try, would you be willing to buy that? Mm-hmm. And the parents are like, of course. I'll say, great. <laughs> She's saying right now that she's willing to buy it. You don't have to like it, but that that can just be an experiment. And you're willing to try it. You don't have to like it. Right, and right. Kids just need to be able to communicate their opinions about food. And and I think we tend to put our own tastes and preferences onto Onto kids Mm. or their siblings. Well, her sister likes this. It's like, well, that's her sister. Mm. Her sister likes blue and she likes red. So so what I gathered from that is that, you know, parents don't ask directly to the kids, you know, what they want or, you know, what they prefer or dislike and just not, not, not enough, um, I guess, brainstorming with them. It sounds like. That's right. So I really try to take the, the adversarial nature of the relationship out. And Mm. sometimes I'll say, pretend let's play the, (laughs) let's play foreign exchange student, which is (laughs) You're meeting them for the first time. You can use an accent. Hola, mayama. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like pretend you're just meeting each other, and your goal as a student is to help the, your foreign parent feed you the things that you like, and the mm-hmm. parent is there to help you. So that that's sort of just a fun way of saying, like, just start over. Mm-hmm. Just don't worry. Just like erase. Parents really can make. <laughs> I mean, parents are great and I, I love them dearly. I feel like I'm being a little critical, but they can, yeah. they can, without really intending to, they can just make their kids feel badly and they can also just get frustrated and have expectations that aren't realistic. A kid mm-hmm. really will tell me what you want. What does a kid know? They don't know what they want. They've never thought to put lemon juice on broccoli. Mm. Why would they think of that? But no. if you put broccoli down some steamed, some raw with a little bit of finishing salt and a couple of wedges of lemon they can experiment with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily playing with food. It's more no. about kind of, you know, going through, you know, like for us, we've learned about the four, you know, uh, tastes, the right. five tastes, you know, the things like that. And, uh, you know, we're just more geared towards, you know, depending on 
I mean, it really depends whether you're feeding them junk food or whether you're feeding them re- real food. And the difference yeah. is, is that junk food has been, you know, engineered, you know, to That's placate right. to right. certain tastes, whereas yeah. real food has such a complex such a depth to it that, yes. you know, if you don't do it enough, you know, you're not going to be able to notice it. Of course. And so I, I think it was exactly back to what you said earlier about like, that's the experiential piece and using your senses. And mm-hmm. I think we really do ourselves a lot of favors when we include, bring our kids back, value their opinions. Mm. We also have to teach kids to give their opinions in ways that are constructive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a skill that is like, whether you're at work or with your family, Instead of being like, that's disgusting. That tastes like puke. To be like, mom, thank you so much for making me that dinner. Next time, I wish it didn't taste so much like vomit, but that was really <laughs> wonderful. And you look great in that blue dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, definitely a lot more constructive. <laughs> yeah. And so I teach kids that. I think it's hilarious, but they understand the message. Is yeah. You are entitled to have your opinion. You don't have to like something you don't like. But then again, you don't have to love everything you eat. Sometimes it's just like, you know what? It's good enough. It's fine. And I really want to pick up on what you said before. Like these kids who are eating a lot of takeout, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's fast food or whether it's just takeout or whether it's, you know, anything that's prepared outside of the home, Mm -hmm. it's going to have more fat, more salt. Mm -hmm. And it really does ruin your taste buds. Yeah. So as soon as these kids can come off those things a little bit, it's as simple as like they're eating Cheetos in the afternoon or Cheez-Its or things that just sort of like light them up. Mm-hmm. All I think all the salty foods, um, they really do us a disservice. Yeah, it really when it, it comes really to is. feeding dinner. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think um, a part. I mean, there's so many variables into this. I mean, I think a, a, a part of it is you know you're you know you're in Silicon Valley, and I'm you know closer to like um, like Inglewood, um, Culver City, things like that. And so, social economically, very different. But yeah. you know, you still have the ubiquitous uh, fast food, takeout, oh, yeah. national change everywhere, right? And everywhere. they all have the similar the thing of being thing. fast, <laughs> convenient, right? Yeah. So, yep. you know, you could still have one parent or two parents, you know, busy, but I think that the more um, concentrated and dedicated time that we have towards, you know, the family dinner, cooking together, and thinking about and brainstorming about meal preparation and all yeah. that stuff, you know, the better conversations we can have with parent and child and actually learning that, oh, they actually like sprinkling lemon juice over, yeah, <laughs> over broccoli, knew? you know, who knew? So, or they can get like that chili, you can get so like chili lime powder that you can put right, on cucumbers. Let's right. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Uh, so moving forward, um, you know, now, you know, in this, uh, in your career right now, uh, when you have blended, you know, the two together, what are the like biggest, and you can give me three, you know, biggest misconceptions, um, that you face or hear all the time that, um, that you can, you know, uh, have an answer to. 
misconceptions health wise or just in terms uh, of I would probably say um nutrition and food wise. Mm. Um I think the biggest misconception is that it's very complicated. Mm. And that we don't know what the right food is for us or that there's some diet that's perfect or that's waiting to be discovered. There's such a common core of thread of nutrition information that we've had for so many, so many years. And what brings best health is a lot of vegetables and a lot of fruits, lean proteins and whole grains mm -hmm, and not mm -hmm. drinking sugar. It's very, it can be very, very simple. And I think mm -hmm. we tend to get wound up and all like, well, it's so confusing. There's some little things that are confusing, but um, those are so minor compared to if you really think about what's the pattern of eating that will work best for me and my family. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's more simple than we are. We all just overthink it like crazy. Right, right, right. I mean, for me, you know, um, you know, for my adults or sometimes adult kids, um, you know, I, uh, it, it's really about just, you know, whatever mother nature intended us to eat, you know, so if yeah. it didn't grow out of the vine off of a tree or off of the ground, you know, I just say minimize it and, yeah, you know, exactly. try to try to go as whole as possible. Yeah. And, you know, like you more plants, you know, I don't really advocate a diet. I just say eat more plants. So yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, we're going to come to a close. Um, I love, you know, when my guests, um, you know, are just so passionate and they're always, you know, just beaming with so much energy and, you know, from our conversations today, like I can definitely feel that in you. What has made you thrive personally, um, or professionally in your life? Yeah. And, um, you know, from that, like, you know, can you share three tips that yes. you can impart on our audience members to kind of better their lives right now? Yes. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, have, you don't have to do three, yeah. you know, you can do right. as many as you want. <laughs> well, let me just talk to you about my, my, how I thrive professionally. Um, I really very committed to, I love what I do and I really, I've folded creativity and the things that make me the most happy into a career that can sustain me. And I think that's really been the secret to finding a way to care for patients and be connected to people, be a part of their stories and make their stories better. Mm. Um, that's been amazing. And they feel my, they feel my genuineness as well. And the kids do like the kids know that I care about them. I want these kids to do well, mm. love these kids. I care about them. And they feel that for me. Like they know that I'm an adult that looks at them and sees a, an amazing soul with so much potential and capability. And I also see a kid who's not going to have as easy of a life if they stay obese, yes. overweight. Yes. And I see a kid who's not fully enjoying, like we haven't talked a lot about fitness, but if you think of these kids, like who don't know what it's like to feel good in your body and to move around and to take a hike or jump mm. in a kayak. There's so much of the world that can be enjoyed best by being fit. And that's not entirely, that's not only true, but the more that you can say yes to experiences because you don't feel held back by your unhealthy body, like that's a gift I want to give these kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want them never to remember to thank me when they win a Nobel prize because they never had a heart attack or they, they never felt like they couldn't do anything. Yeah. And that's so rewarding. And it's so rewarding when the parents will just come back to me. Like if they've gotten my cookbook and made a recipe 
that they come back like that was really good and it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And mm. I can I can do what you're asking me to do. This is not too much. So that's like truly, truly rewarding. And and I'm very fulfilled by that. And I, I really do love those moments where they reflect back on me pride, confidence, mm-hmm. autonomy. Mm-hmm. And especially if they're like, oh my God, we made this recipe. And it was <laughs> amazing. You know, like, That's awesome. Yeah. That's just great. You know, Those or like, oh, or someone will come in like with my cookbook and to my clinic to sign it. Like it matters to them that I've written a book for my patients and my families to that. It's not hard. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it has to be joyous. Mm. So that really, that really is how I have found my way to thrive and you know mm. being a doctor is is really can be very challenging but there's also Definitely. nothing like it there's also yeah. you you have this i feel very privileged to be able to connect with people and families and it's very it's you know how we feed our families and ourselves is so important yeah yeah we've talked about um in my past uh, episodes with previous guests about um physician burnout and yeah. wellness and you know, it seems like you've been able to blend um, <laughs> a unique recipe for yourself and uh, and uh, been able to, you know, just give off like you love what you do. You live through it. You work through it and you give it back. You know, it's like this yeah, full circle, definitely. you know, definitely. so. And so in terms of you uh, asked for three, three, ti- tips. three, three tips to uh, for our listening audience um, that they that you can share to better their lives right now. And it could be you know, in terms of, you know, getting back into the kitchen or like, what would you say would, you know, can help, you know, uh, uh, you know, mothers and fathers that are listening, um, for their children right now. Yeah. Um, in no particular order, protect your own sleep, get enough sleep, go to bed when your body's tired, leave your phone out of your bedroom, Mm. protect your sleep, read a book, talk to your partner, you know, read a poem, write in a journal and protect that space as much as you can for your own rest. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. I think the kids that I see aren't sleeping enough. The parents mm. are tired and it's just really hard to be happy and healthy when you're exhausted. And so trade off duties. If you have a busy family and if you have a partner say, Hey, I'm going to hightail it to the guest room tonight. And I want, if a bomb goes off, you can wake me up, but otherwise I'll see you when <laughs> I see you. Right. You know, and, and try to really protect each other's uh, sleep. Um, the second thing is, I would say, um, really talk to the people who you're eating with. Our kids and our partners and whoever we're around or strangers that we're sitting near, everyone's interesting. Mm. And putting down that device, looking people in the eye and just allowing them to share a bit of their story with you. Mm. That's such a gift. Definitely. Community again. Community. It's community. Yeah. And and eat a delicious breakfast that doesn't spike your blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean like uh you know, oh you know like, was it Captain Crunch back in oh the day? Oh my Fruit god, Loops right back in the day. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, this is hilarious. So I, when we moved here, my we were thinking of where to send my son, like, you know, we just moved to California. My son was we were looking for things for him to do for the summer. And there was an overnight camp that a few kids we'd heard really liked this camp. So a friend was over and this is like a camp on a lake and they've got boating and climbing and all this. It's like media free camp. And I said to this boy, I said, what, what's the best thing about camp? 
And he looked me in the eye and he said, on Wednesday, we get lucky charms. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll have a camp here. I'll give you guys lucky charms on Wednesdays. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, but it, but, but it also was fun because it's a special thing. And I, I do actually think that this camp does a good job of, like, letting these kids like, eat tons of fruit, tons of vegetables. And, mm. and they do a pretty decent job. Yeah, yeah. Just having the space, you know, to for them to explore that too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. anyway, I just thought that was really funny. But yeah, and I, I think we we um, with ourselves and with our kids, we have a pressure to like just eat something, and whether it's Captain Crunch or Lucky Charms or even frankly a bowl of cornflakes or even Cheerios with milk, these kids are hungry again in an hour. And if mm-hmm. we can really switch the breakfast to be more of a a whole grain or an egg or however you feel about dairy. If you eat dairy to do maybe like a really dense um, Greek yogurt, that's plain that you add some beautiful fruit and nuts to those are things that are going to just give you a little more to work with. And, right, right. and just focusing on the quality of what you're eating. And just like every time you eat, like, is this something like, you know, our kids are precious. We gotta, we gotta feed them. We're going to nurture them right, you know, put put the right things in their belly so they can grow. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, can I give you, I I wanted to go back because there was one more myth that I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I wanted to bring up quickly. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest myths or the biggest things that's confusing is about calcium and do we need milk and how do we get our calcium? Mm. What about yogurt? What about cheese? And, and when I really look at the lifestyle or how am I going to help this individual family or patient like build strong bones, it's about a varied diet, not just increase, have three cups of milk a day. Um, but it's also movement, putting some resistance on those bones, running around, jumping in the park, playing in a playground, walking the dog, going on a climb. It's just putting resistance on those bones is so important to building healthy bones. Mm, yeah, you, Definitely. You can't grow healthy bones by just drinking three cups of milk and playing video games all day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You need the you need the the movement. You need the impact. You need the resistance. Yes. You know. So, and that's what we do for our elderly adults going into geriatric age or elderly age. You yeah, know? I bet. So, uh, yeah, so super important. So, uh, Julia, thank you so much for you are uh, so uh, welcome having on this podcast. Um, we didn't talk about it, but please tell the audience, um, if they are interested in looking you up, you know, how do they find you? Give us a, a, a synopsis on your, your, yeah, I, I think it's your sure. new cookbook. Um, yeah, yeah I have and a tell new her, cookbook. Yeah. The, my new cookbook is called the new family table and the subtitle is cooking more, eating together and staying quote, relatively sane. <laughs> And it's, it's, you know, as I mentioned, it's just very simple family meals, lots of little tidbits about, you know, the same, like how to pick a, a milk, how to pick an oil, how to flavor things, a lot of simple tips and simple ideas and stories. You can get that on Amazon just by looking up my name, Julia Nordgren, and that's N-O-R-D-G-R-E-N. My social media stuff, my website is called drjuliacooks.com, which is just D-R-J-U-L-I-A-C-O-O-K-S.com. And that's also my Instagram handle at drjuliacooks. Okay. Awesome. 
Well, again, thank you so much. You're uh, we so definitely, welcome. Such we a definitely, pleasure. Yeah, we definitely shared uh, a lot of great infos. And I think um, um, the audience members are going to get so much out of it. So, hey, guys, this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. If you enjoy this, please check back here weekly, every Wednesday for a new video. And we will catch you on the next one. Thanks, Julia. All right. Bye. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.